We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 199 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Happy New Year. And a happy new year to you and to all our listeners. I'm very well, thank you. It's raining outside. I don't know if you can hear the rain. It's that miserable, damp time of year, which is really annoying because someone has just given me another boat and enough steel to make a trailer. So I'd rather be out there welding and sanding and getting another boat ready. Well, you will have plenty of time come the springtime, I'm sure, to get that all set and get her seaworthy, yes? Yeah, seaworthy. It'll be used once, then sold, and then I'll probably sell the other boat as well and then put all the money together and get something bigger. I'm going to work my way up to something the size of Abramovich's yacht. Oh, eventually. I see. Okay. That's the plan. You're going to fall off of it like Robert Maxwell, like we were talking about in press. Well, we... we <laughs> uh, no, no, because... Um, uh, I've, I've actually, I have nearly fallen overboard from a warship twice. You did tell me that. I would have, I would have wrapped yeah. that guy around the the nearest porthole. I can assure you. I well, he certainly got a surprise when I opened the door, and he said, "What do you think you're doing?" Because that's the last words he got out of his mouth before my fist was in it. Anyway, long story, and the the listeners don't know about it. Oh, hello, they're after me again. Are they after you this time? Are they really coming? No, no, that's Because okay. they're going to need another They're going to need another van if that's the case. Yeah, uh, certainly with everything that I've got arrayed around me here in Man Cave. Um, no, that they're, they're, they've gone. My Doppler worked that out fairly quick, and they were, in fact, going away. Excellent. Right, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought we would talk about the uh, the Epstein files that were just released, uh, supposedly just released. Uh, I do have the full PDF file of all of them, if you're wondering, for anybody that wants them, I, I do have them. Uh, but it does say in there, this is what we know so far, that Bill Clinton likes them young. We've been having a rolling joke going on for decades, saying that uh, one of his favorite universities is Brigham Young University, you know, you gotta, you know BYU. Yeah, That's in Utah, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's the big Mormon university. Of course, it's a joke. You know, I I know I have friends of mine that have gone there, and it's a it's a very prestigious university. Thing is, people, men, if they're honest with themselves, of course you're going to look at a young, attractive girl more longingly rather than a 
Oh, God, God, be so careful what I say here. Rather than a more mature woman, shall we say. But then again, every, everyone's different. That depends. These, some, we, some mature women aren't quite, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, but they might challenge someone like Clinton mentally. I mean, I think he'd had enough of Hillary, because Hillary's the real driving force in oh, that yeah. pair. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he, he wanted some. He wanted to be in charge for a change. I think. Uh, no, and- actually, he did not. Uh, and I I heard testimony from a uh, from a, a Clinton insider uh, of many years. And this was uh, he was a he was a fixer, and he was one of the people that saw to the affairs that the public usually usually was never purvy to. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This individual said throughout his entire career of of working with them that, and he was still alive, by the way, uh, died of uh, died of cancer, actually. But nonetheless, he would always say that it was never him; it was always her. Even all the way up through the White House years, when when you had the uh, the Clinton administration in the White House, it was never him. He never actually wanted to be the governor of Arkansas, and he never wanted to be president of the United States. He wanted the rock star status. He just wanted the the red carpets and the parties and the women and and everything else. It was always her that pushed him into it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. So um, in the salacious assignations on Epstein Island, he's not going to want a, a go-getting, forthright, strong, independent woman. He's going to want, to all extents, an, a, a, a passive victim, isn't he? Because he's messed up. He's been messed up by being involved. <laughs> yeah, for the benefit of the listener, there's... Uh, a cartoon of Clinton on an aircraft with a group of, well, they're, they're girls. I suppose they could be any age because they're cartoons, but they all look terribly young to me. Magic Island, the uh, Disney Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see who it's starring? Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Clinton, and Glenn Maxwell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, we talked a bit in prep about what this is all about uh, and it or what the whole Epstein thing is about. And of course, there are going to be people on that list who have come across Epstein in their uh, day-to-day lives as high-ranking politicians and magnates and captains of industry and so on. Royalty and royalty, yeah. Doesn't mean that they all were stupid enough to um, be compromised, but an awful lot of them were. And I think that there's still some dissemination and analysis needs to go in and further investigation into that list that you have there on that PDF. Yes. Well, it, it's not the entire list. Supposedly, the rest of it will be released on January 22nd. At least that is the, the report at the moment. Bill Gates is a redacted name, at least for the moment. That is what is speculated. Now, of course, uh, Gates has said time and again when he's been questioned about having dinner with Epstein and there's photos of him with him and, and so on and so forth. And he's regretted the dinner, but he's never said that he regretted meeting him, just to be clear. So Gates, I, I don't know where he's going to fit in in all this, I don't, or if he even is. I, I think he'd be one of those names that would probably be, that would be permanently kept out of the, uh, the record if he, can, if he can help it. Well, like I said in prep, I imagine his, his um, selection of, of party partner was probably not human. But that's just me, and I can say that because I'm, I'm a free and independent man, and I think Bill Gates is the scummiest piece of crap ever to fall out of a lady. 
He is quite something, I have to admit. Uh, who is who else is in the documents? Stephen Hawking. I, I would not have guessed that one. Stephen Hawking. Is that There's before or after the motor neuron disease? That would be after. He's he. They got photos of him on the island at you know in his in his state there. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I don't understand I, that one, but I don't understand okay. it either. Uh, and but like I said, there will be people these notable individuals who will have come into contact with Epstein and done nothing illegal and not been compromised. And and maybe Stephen Hawking is possibly one of those. And you always, if you made it too obvious so that every time you met Jeffrey Epstein, he offered you, you know, strange and wonderful, varied sexual partners, um, it would have got out a bit faster, wouldn't it? So there's going to have to be these, um, for want of a better word, innocuous, innocent meetings. Uh, so his his network wouldn't have just had the pervert, subverted, compromised, easily blackmailed types. There would have been others as well. One name that is not in there is Donald Trump. He is uh, he's not in, listed anywhere in any of these files. Uh, he did not visit any of the Epstein homes, the island, or have contact with any of the clientele, if you will. Well, that doesn't surprise me because Donald Trump has always certainly, you know, shown that he he likes women, and he's probably sorted himself out. He didn't need to. Or perhaps he was warned off. Perhaps he knew just how dangerous to your public image association with Jeffrey Epstein could be. Yes. Uh, and we were going over some of that stuff in prep on on where exactly uh, Epstein came from. You know, we, we don't know. We can only speculate. Now, I can I can tell you for a fact, I, I've traced it back. It is not uh, a proven fact. I'm not saying that it is, it is not possible. I'm saying that it is not a proven fact that I myself have seen that Epstein was a Mossad agent. That is the buzz talk amongst the people that dig into the Epstein stuff. Uh, now, I'm not again, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying that it's not any evidence that I have seen myself. Now, if there is evidence out there, then I mean hard traced back evidence. I'm willing to look at it. I'm willing to, to entertain it. It is true that he did have uh, an office at Harvard University in the economics department, I believe. Now, that part we know. And his con his closest confidant, who I believe was his controlling agent, just based on it, was Ghislaine Maxwell. Of course, she is shacked up in some you know, comfy, whatever, five-star resort that they're calling a jail. And she will not be talking anything to anybody anytime soon. Uh, the conviction was a show trial, if you will, because nothing was actually released. There, there was none of that stuff that was released. No names were released. All of the black book and everything else was, you know, all the flight logs and everything, they were all redacted. It was so a damage control exercise is what it was. Damage limitation. Yes. It was find out what information there was and make sure nobody ever got any of it. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, so they were just or, opening up for discovery and then, you know, to close everything down. And also, like, if um, if a special forces guy or girl is captured, there's a set amount of time that they have to maintain their cover story without giving their interrogators anything. That gives everybody time to change whatever plans had been laid and made. So therefore, the information that they have, once they start to give it, does no one any harm. All it does is allow them to perhaps survive a bit longer in the hope of 
of rescue. So anything that in, in these circumstances where you've got information that could potentially rock the world by pointing out just who is involved, uh, the longer you can hold back that information, the more chance they have of protecting themselves, coming up with cover stories, coming up with alternative versions of the inverted commas truth so that uh, it does them no harm. So that, that's what happened yeah. with Ghislaine. Yeah. But well, looking back at her lineage, if you will, tracing back her father, you know, you pointed out in prep that uh, he was involved in media companies in the UK. He also had relations with uh, MI5 and MI6. And he was actually one of the double agents out of, guess where, Czechoslovakia. And he was an STG operative, which was their secret service, which was run, or, well, their state security services and intelligence services. And they were run by none other than the KGB. Yeah. Going back slightly before we get into that, if you think about the concept or the idea that Epstein was a Mossad agent, that's one hell of a gig. You go through, <laughs> you go through your your training and your processes, and join Mossad. And okay, Jeffrey, you are going to go and live on a luxury island. Um, have billions of dollars at your disposal, and you are going to gather dirt for us. What is more likely, if there was any connection to Mossad, would be that they had some shit on him. They had some stuff on him and said, you'll now be working for us. Uh, and maybe uh, the, the Ghislaine and the Maxwell, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell and her father were already working. For, so he, he would have been a double agent, really even a triple agent. And he, he wouldn't have known which way was up most of the time because he would have been ridden by so many masters. I'm sorry, I'm reading some of the experts, uh, experts, uh, some of the uh, <laughs> excerpts. I, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, we were wondering about Stephen Hawking, right? Because I just showed yeah. you a photo of him sitting on the, the island there. That was Virginia yeah. Guffrey on one of the, which was the Prince Andrew. Um, uh-huh. Accuser there. So that was definitely the island. This was one of the excerpts from the actual thing. Do you want to read that? Because I'm, I, I don't. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to, have to lean in close and take off my glasses. Hold on one sec. Wait, are you <laughs> telling me that Stephen Hawking frequented the island for pleasure? Yes, Jeffrey loved to have intellectuals visit the island so he could reward them for their hard work for humanity and for other darker reasons. Did Jeffrey ever talk to you about Stephen Hawking's proclivities? That's a word I have trouble with. Yes, he liked watching undressed midgets <laughs> solve complex equation on a too high up chalkboard. <laughs> oh, bullshit. Come on. This is testimony. This is actual testimony that's been entered into. Is this Ghislaine? A court report. I, I'm assuming that it is. This is this is unredacted testimony. You couldn't. So. Well, you can write this stuff, but this is normally the kind of stuff what? where you say you just can't write it. So no, no, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that. I think that someone taking the piss, quite frankly, funny as or it is. Or is it? Or is it? Or is it? Well, of course, we'll probably never know. But at the end of the day, what did Stephen Hawking? What was he doing for them? If they wanted to get dirt on Hawking, what is an astrophysicist going to do for the the conspiracy for for the cabal? I mean, uh, there are some answers. I'm sure there's some some perfectly viable things that they might want him to do. But can you can you think of one? 
I, I, I've, no, I, I cannot. This, this, this I'm kind of caught off guard by this, this midget chalkboard thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, why do I have such trouble with proclivities? I can't say it. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter at the end of the but day. It's the it? word that we have to use quite regularly because that's what we're yeah. talking about. We're talking about parts of human nature that make us vulnerable to this kind of corruption. So, you know, it might be for greed, it, it might be greed, it might be money, it might be lust, it could be power. These are the things that Epstein could offer people. And, you know, he certainly did his did his job right up to the point where he um was unalived in in a in a jail cell. Yes. Well uh it's it's interesting. Um I think it was his I was reading something the other day. I think it was his brother petitioned the prison to have his medical records released and they say that they never even had possession of them to begin with that i mean that could happen i mean his medical records uh, it's not like even here in the uk if you if you live in the same place for your entire life then yes your medical records will all be available from your doctor's surgery and the general hospital where you may or may not have gone for mm. any other no, it's possible. treatment, whatever. It's possible but it could have just gotten lost or not caught up in time because that does take time. It's like, I mean, from me personally, my medical records stretch across two armed forces, sorry, three armed forces, if you count the United Arab Emirates, and the NHS. And I don't think that there is a whole copy of my medical records anywhere. Because these organizations don't talk to each other and they certainly don't send paperwork or digital copies to each other unless they get paid to do so. Because that's the that's that's the nature of the beast. It's it's all about mm -hmm. it's all about the money. Mm -hmm. I got an article here out of the uh, the Daily Fail that was uh, followed up on by the uh, the Gateway Pundit. High end brothel frequented by U.S. military officers, politicians believed to be a honeypot scheme by Russia, China and South Korea. Are we surprised? Where is it? It is in Boston, I believe. Yeah, suburbs of Boston. It was, uh, let me see, intelligence experts became increasingly convinced that, that six high-end brothels in the suburbs of Boston and Washington, D.C., not a surprise there, were set up by a foreign nation as uh, an espionage honey trap. They believe the brothels, allegedly masterminded by 41-year-old South Korean woman, targeted high-ranking po high politicians and other high-ranking government officials and defense contractors. Well, going right back to the... I think the training films that every serviceman had to sit through about the honey trap and all those kind of things went right back to late 50s. That's when they were made. Uh, and in the 80s, I sat there in an overly warm uh, military cinema watching video after video that I had to um, understand. And uh, it's an attitudinal piece of training you you get there's three things in in training knowledge skills and attitudes so unless they've stopped trying to train that attitude that if something looks too good to be true it probably is uh probably is a lie then these kind of risky brothels whatever you want to call them your military our military should be trained to stay well clear but as I said just a few moments ago, it's these vulnerabilities in human nature that are weaknesses 
that our enemies will use against us. And you, you just have to be super strong with yourself not to fall prey to it. Yes. Moving over to Iran, you heard about the uh, the bombing that took place at the tomb of Qasem Soleimani uh, yesterday. Uh, the Israeli media, Israeli, the Iranian media are reporting at least 103 killed and 141 injured. We did post some of this footage to our Telegram page. I don't know if you saw it. I will run some of that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I, well, actually, I mean, I haven't seen anything about it on our news, although I imagine that it must have been covered the somewhere. Only- the only thing that I saw on your news about it yesterday, oddly, was on uh, Sky News, and it was the uh, one of the Iranian holy men, I don't know who it was, you know, one of them, I'm not sure, who was giving a speech, and it was being translated in real time. That's the only thing that I saw from it. But, you know, if uh, Tehran are reporting this as suicide bombers, that automatically, oh my goodness, yeah, it's quite graphic, some of these scenes... It's hard to describe, but lots it's of It's best in- to just not. It's best to just not, no. But I've got to say, the injuries that are being seen all appear to be from the head, and each body has appears to have a trail of blood moving away from, from it, yeah. from the head. When a bomb goes off, if it was a suicide vest, which Tirana reporting... Point. That is a that, fair point. That, that's not where the, the wounds would be. And that that all looks staged to me. It looks that is a staged. fair point. That that is a fair point because you would see multiple casualties around, not just the one. And, and they're they're missing something there. If they're claiming it to be suicide bombers, that is not an Israeli uh, Mossad, um, you know, trait. That's a jihadist's trait. That's someone who's so convinced that their invisible friend is better than anybody else's invisible friend that they're prepared to do such a thing. Or in some cases, did you see? Do you see any injuries, visible injuries, to that individual? None whatsoever. Um, However, in a blast, there's pure chaos. Yeah, Um, you know, you normally got shrapnel added to the bomber's vest, and it spreads out in as even a arc or sorry 360 degrees uh, as as it can manage but also just being close to the explosion can cause internal injuries but no that all of those ones that we saw in the first part of that film had head injuries and a big stream of blood flowing away from the body to me that that just in, i know we say this quite often but we are being fed an awful lot of staged media footage because we know we're being lied to. And I certainly would expect Tehran to lie to everybody because what this will be is more of an excuse to support the action of Hezbollah, Hamas, and any other terrorist organization that wants to have a crack at Israel. They've also announced uh, this week that, uh, and Bruce and I were going over some of this last night, uh, a new hypersonic missile out of Iran. You've probably not heard about that, have you? No. No. They announced the Fatah 2 at a speed of Mach 5. <laughs> the Iranians building a Mach 5 missile. Yes, yes, you heard me right. Uh, I did yeah, not study. Sorry. Yeah. No, uh, I, for the benefit of the listener, there was an absolute look of surprise on my face uh, when Johnny said Mach 5 in terms of a, a missile. For something big enough to do any damage to go that speed, no. I'm sorry, that's uh, that's not really feasible, is it? 
not in the slightest. All right. Anyway, that's uh, that is I I don't know. I I I do not trust whatever the Iranians are saying. I I'm completely on board with you there. And to look at that video and to see that, yeah, it's it looks staged. You didn't see multiples, and you didn't see any blast, as in like center mass or anything. It was all head injuries, uh, with the exception yeah. of the one that had no injuries, at least none visible. Yeah, I reckon they thought, oh, we better throw one that looks a bit different in. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there was that. Uh, let me see. What else do we have? Son of George Soros, you know, Alexander, you know, dear old Alexander. He um, yeah, he, he reportedly visited the White House more than five times last year. What, why is a private citizen? Excuse me. Um, I'm sorry. Eight, eight times. He, he took no less than, than eight trips to the White House last year. Yeah. To discuss what? I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, he uh, let me see. Is, is he just does, a real history does, buff and and does the public tour? Be. It could eight be eight times a year. Sure. Yeah, it could be. Uh, he he does have several degrees in something. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, I th- I believe one of them is like Jewish studies or something. Of course, you have to have that degree in there. Of course, if you're if yeah you're, yeah. Not many people just get to visit the White House eight times in a year and talk policy, according to. Uh, the president of Judicial Watch makes him a White House insider. There's a public interest in knowing what Alex was talking about at the Biden White House. Well, it was probably a series of pre-Davos briefs so that the delegates from the US government, when they get to the ski resort in Switzerland, will know what's on the agenda and give them a chance to put their full penneth worth in. It is true, yeah. You do know that that meeting is coming up. I mentioned it yesterday with Bruce, and they're going yeah. to be focused on restoring trust this year and, and well, creating transparency. Yeah. And yeah, you have well, so considered there, there informed was, opinion about that, I'm sure. There was the female WEF member who was um, expressing exactly that concept, that the elite trust each other because they're all working towards the same agenda, whereas those of us that are awake do not trust them. So trust of government, trust of these ultra-rich elite who think that they can make policy for the entire planet just because they've got lots of zeros after the first number in their bank accounts. That's not the way life works, I'm afraid, but it's the way that they're making it work. And the only thing that's going to change that is if a few more people wake up, which is why I, you remember I said to you when we first started talking today, why I feel like a coward. Um, It's unusual for you to say, to be honest with you, because I've never actually heard you say that. And all the time we've known each other, I've never heard you refer to yourself as that. It's it's because I backed down from uh, a discussion simply to give the other person a bit of breathing space because I knew I had them on the ropes. Um, And I pointed out to him that our civil service here in the UK, nowadays, you're looking at 30 to 40 year olds that are your civil servants, and they've been either directly subverted and, and know that they are working for the left or or some other kind of organization, or they've been subverted by osmosis, by having left-wing, left-leaning, communist even lecturers in the universities that qualified them to hold such positions with it, with their various bachelors, masters, PhDs in, in whatever. And then he reeled off four people in his immediate family who are civil servants. And it was at that point where I wanted to say, and yes, I fully think that they are as guilty as anybody, 
because of the way the country's being run, the things that are allowed to be happening, because the politicians come and go. Again, they're not really elected. They're chosen for us. We're told who to vote for, who who are our options. And because both parties, main parties in the UK, have been got to by the elite, whoever they put up is going to be a puppet. So the people who have a chance to whistleblow or delay or sabotage these damaging policies are the civil service, but they're not doing so. That, to me, suggests that they are subverted somehow. And and rather than press on with the argument, I just let it go just for the sake of the evening so I didn't have to you know, have a blazing argument with someone. So I do feel a bit of a coward. We've still got this problem of how to address what we know to be true with other people's rose-tinted view of what is actually happening. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I'm finding that a, a bit difficult myself because now, like, the agendas have been so, I guess, kind of, like, meshed together that I'm finding it difficult because I, I'm I'm seeing something now now that that COVID is over. We we started to see everybody kind of I don't I don't want to say galvanize. I think that's the wrong word, but sort of understand that hey, we've got a bigger problem here. All of our rights are kind of just being arbitrarily taken away without our consent. So you started to see organizations and, and people come together and say, all right, that's enough of this. We're, we're not going to go along with this anymore. But now it's kind of, I'm seeing like splits even in that. I'm looking at things on a wider scale. You know how I look at things. I'm looking at things on a global scale. I'm looking at things geopolitically and, and what's actually happening. I showed you footage of, of just one example of what's going on on the U.S. southern border in one area. All of those trucks just smashing through the gates. You know, that is a big problem. I referenced yesterday about a young investigative journalist that is down in Central America right now that is uh, dealing with uh, reporting on everything that's going on with the uh, flow of, I'm not even going to say migrants, uh, invaders coming in from communist China that are coming up through the U.S. southern border. This is immigration that's being used at, like, I'm sorry, this is not immigration. This is an invasion. And it's happening. And it's being coordinated by places like Russia and China. That's where all of this is coming from. These people, they're not flooding into those countries. They're flooding into ours. I'm seeing people that are in the, quote, alternative. I'm using that term very loosely now. In the alternative that are now praising people like Xi Jinping, and I'm not joking, they're praising people like Xi Jinping because he's not in the Epstein files and he's the true resistance. You could not make this up. Um, <laughs> I, I can't imagine why so many people want to live in the United States of America or, or want, want to go there. I know that the, well, there's, um, there are several reasons. Right? Would, well, would you rather live in China? Would you rather I, live in, I, no, in I, North I wouldn't Korea? Rather, I wouldn't rather live in China. North Korea, Russia, but I would rather live just about anywhere else than the US. For a start, your administration is as corrupt as ours is, if not more so. And I, I wouldn't set foot there. You mean under the current right, political conditions? No, even before, I'm afraid, because as I said a while back on another podcast, freedom is also freedom to fail. Here in the UK, I've grown up, although I've never used it, I've grown up and lived knowing full well that if I was on my ass and had no money, no food, I would be provided for by a welfare system that is set up to look after people who have hit rock bottom. And 
America really isn't like that. Your healthcare system is still very much, you know, pay to play. Your welfare system, I've got to be honest, I don't know that much we about have, it. But I, I I'll, don't tell you, I'll tell you all you need to know. We have the biggest, fattest welfare system in the world, I think. But these people coming across the border, they're not immediately going into that, are they? They're not immediately yes. getting massive. Yes. Well, there, there's your mistake. There, oh, there's, there's a lot of mistakes mistake. that are being made. And as, as part of what I mentioned yesterday, the uh, the head of our Department of Homeland Security, Mr. Uh, Mr. Alejandro Mayorkas, who is from Cuba, by the way, um, which is a communist country, is working with the the uh, the Panamanians to provide to use U.S. taxpayer money to buy containers to house Chinese nationals that are coming up from south of the border. And the containers are coming from communist China. <laughs> you couldn't make this up. It's it's a win-win for Xi Jinping, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, uh, the, these people coming across our sea border, across the channel, obviously, when if anyone tries to enter the country illegally on an aircraft, they are going to be stopped at border control, passport control. And if they haven't got their papers and they haven't got the right visa, then they are immediately detained and sent back. But these mass land crossings in on the southern border in the US and mass small boat invasions here in the UK, no one seems to be doing anything uh, effective to, to stop them from happening. And I totally agree with Bruce. When those vehicles started to come across that border, there should have been lethal force used because that is... An invasion. That's your border into Arizona, and it should have been defended. But I, I imagine the border security forces that are there, or you know, agents have been probably underfunded, been probably given a set of policies to follow that allows such a thing to happen. Uh, and well, they're they're ostracized. They're, they're ridiculed. They are they are reprimanded, suspended, fired, whatever. If they do anything at all, you know the the border patrol. They're they're handcuffed for lack of a better term. Yeah, and that ship you were talking about, or we were talking about as well, a few days ago. That's in the all that in the Carib that, Caribbean. That big, powerful, encroaching warship. The British warship. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a river patrol ship. It is a, know, an ocean just, going. I know. I was a, just saying. You know, it's 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 a river class, so it's named after a river. But that should be along with its sister ships in the channel, stopping these small boats. Yes, turn them should. straight back. I, that's that's, actually, I'm, that's, that's a good point. Be. That is a good point. Why do you not have any ships out there whatsoever? To do that, why, why are any of your Royal Navy ships out there not doing that? Because they haven't been instructed to. So that shows how implicit the government are, or complicit, I should say, are in allowing this to continue to happen. Same as these, the, the concept of sending everyone who comes seeking asylum to Ru Rwanda into, I, I'm not sure how much it is we're paying. I've got the figure of 20 million in my head, but that's not per year. I think that's possibly per month to to fund the complex, you know, the asylum seeking asylum Which, seeking yeah, center. I, I did see that they they took their first 130 new tenants or whatever if you want to call them, but they came from another country, not from the UK. Yeah. 
and you know it it just shows how complicit our own government are in in all of this because a couple of patrol vessels in the channel uh with aerial surveillance maritime patrol aircraft which we have and they're not doing too much at the moment so they could be used to spot the boats and vector one of the patrol craft onto them and get them turned back around and put on the beaches of France again. And the French, who are also being paid to stop the boats, are doing sweet Fanny Adams, you know, for, for the money that they're being paid. So, yeah, that all those trucks going across the border at once, you would need some fairly heavy firepower yes. to stop well, we that. Have it. If Americans have anything, we have heavy firepower. But maybe not situated on your border. Speaking of sinking small boats, you did see that we sunk three of the uh, the Houthi um, whatever whatever they had there, and we killed ten of them when they tried to attack. Uh, I believe it was one of your container ships in the Red Sea. Yeah, I know the amount of activity around there is is really hotting up, uh, and of course it wouldn't be happening at all if it wasn't being funded by Iran to happen. And have they actually successfully, other than that? staged video we watched where they were moving across that deck have they actually successfully taken a container taken no attacked yes but considering their lack of success the world's container ships are currently being routed via the horn of africa yeah so everything is slowing down people getting their goods getting their oil all of that stuff is still happening it's still actually effective in in those terms so it's like a a sniper a sniper in military terms is known as a force multiplier if you've got a battalion a brigade even advancing towards you and a couple of senior officers get popped off by a sniper pair it slows down that whole process that advance will be slowed down and in the meantime, your other forces are digging in, preparing ambushes, doing those kind of things. So in this particular case, the actions of the Houthi in the Red Sea, the Indian Ocean, are acting as a force multiplier. They are causing a massive diversion of shipping. And so it, it is being effective, if you see what I mean. So that's the real reason behind those attacks, not to take tankers in the Red Sea, it's to get everything to divert elsewhere. Yeah, and I did see this morning, uh, it's at least being reported by Bloomberg, that uh, spot shipping rates for containers have increased by 173% due to that diversion. So you're going to see that passed on to the consumer at import-export costs. Absolutely. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, the other day, it, it may be apropos of nothing, but my other half went to get some things from a, a well-known supermarket and their shelves were pretty much empty. I know it's just after Christmas, but these things are 24-7 going concerns. So their supply chains keep going all the time. So why are shelves suddenly starting to be less full? It's economic warfare. Yeah, it, it is. It's warfare by other means. And We've said it before, we'll say it again, all warfare is deception. So whilst you may you know, be aware of something that's happening, that might not be the actual reason for it happening. Uh, and that's what you have to be aware of. You have to extrapolate 
what the actual intentions of our enemies are. And it's to cause us to have nothing. You know, in the future, I will be, uh, I will own nothing and be happy. Which book have we got here then, Johnny? Uh, this is Soviet. Uh, Soviet Strategic Deception. This is what I'm reading at the moment. This was put out by our Naval Postgraduate Institute and in 1987. And it is, I'm about 100 pages into it right now. And it is a fascinating read. This was printed once. You know, it was the it's the usual. It was given one printing, not in any other languages, and then that was it. Yeah, I also was speaking to um, somebody else over Christmas, and this time I didn't hold back. He was pointing out to me some financial wizard that uh, had made a lot of money, was very successful, and you know how they made a lot of money? They wrote a book on how to make money and then give seminars. This is this is what they do. They've, they've got no real business acumen. They they just know how to market their own piss poor advice. And I pointed this out to um, this person I was talking to because he'd said, uh, "Your house is your house a liability or an asset? Because if you're still paying for it, it's a liability. You're better off renting." I went, "No, because then you're paying dead money to something. A house is neither." a liability or an asset, it's a necessity. If you've got nowhere to live, nowhere to secure uh, and safe to be, then you've got nothing. And I I think uh, a lot of what they're trying to do at the moment is drive prices for everyday goods and services up through the roof so that people's disposable income becomes nothing. It will force people into situations who have got mortgages to sell the property, get out of the mortgage, and rent. So it is financial warfare. It's warfare by other means, and we are definitely under attack. It is unrestricted warfare on every level, my friend. We can go ahead and kick out of here a few minutes early, barring anything else. Anything else you'd like to impart to the listeners before you get away for today? No, I just want everyone to have a happy new year, and at the same time, work out ways to convince the people you know and love who are not necessarily on side with with what we know to be the truth uh, and do it in such a way that you don't end up um, losing a friend. Uh, but in fact, you know, be cruel to be kind. Some of these people really do need to be woken up. I agree, my friend. It's been a great conversation. As always, I'd like to thank all the listeners for taking the time to listen to us today. If you would like to support our work, you can do so by clicking the link in the program description below. Every little bit helps. Thank you very much. That'll do it for us for today and for this week. Thank you for being here today, my friend. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great weekend. 